Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. So, I'm back again with Matt Grant of Sailrite. We got cut off on our last interview just as he was answering a question for me, so I decided we had enough material for one podcast, and I thought, well, let's get him back again and finish up with the question. And Matt, the last time we were talking, I was asking you the differences between your um, your sewing machine. I think it's the LS1, LSZ1 machine, the 220 machine and the 110 bolt machine. So these are sewing machines that you sell for the, for the amateur sail maker and canvas maker. So explain the difference between the European model and the U.S. model. That's where we left. Oh, off. yeah. Yep, yep, good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically just the motor and the foot control uh, would be the differences. Um, and uh, I think what I was saying was that uh, I had a number of questions at the Annapolis Boat Show about uh, uh, from customers who are traveling, and their boat might be 220, but they come to the United States uh, or the other way around, and they wanted to know if they could use both voltages. And the answer is that when we have somebody that needs that, uh, we just sell them an additional motor and a foot control. So uh, there's nothing internal to the machine that really uh, uh, has anything to do with powering the machine. It's really just that simple of a swap. Okay, because that's been my problem. You know, when I built my boat, I built it for U.S. voltages and sailed it up in the Northwest for five years. And then it's been in the Mediterranean since 97. And my and I and I dealt with this problem by having a two ten or a one a two twenty to one ten huge big old transformer that I used to haul around with me, and and finally I threw that out last year or year before last and said okay, let's just uh, you know rig the boat for two twenty because this is where I'm at right now. But if I bought a sewing machine, I probably might haul that back and forth again. So it'd probably be best to have the, the two separate motors. Now, why is the foot control different because of the voltages that go through the foot control then? Yeah, it's, uh, um, uh, yes. And uh, um, uh, there's a slightly different uh, uh, plug arrangement that we use for the 220 setup. Uh, we are grounding the motors uh, uh, through the foot control all the way to the wall outlet. So, uh, we, we, since the machine is metal and since the motor casings are metal and uh, as a result uh, uh, aren't uh, uh, double insulated like a plastic uh, motor might be, uh, we wanted to make sure that our grounds go straight to your wall outlet. So on a sailboat, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you, you uh, let's say you have no electricity, you've got a hand crank so you could actually crank the sewing machine by hand. Is, is that, I'm looking at these yeah. pictures, is that, is that what you've got there? Yeah. Yeah, even the standard setup with the Power Plus wheel on it, which is the black flywheel that you're seeing on the website, um, you could basically grab that by your hand and just crank it through stitch after stitch. One revolution of the flywheel is a stitch. Uh, but uh, we make that easier with what we call our Monster 2 flywheel, which comes standard on our, uh, our premium package machine. Uh, and it is a 7-pound uh, uh, nickel-plated steel wheel. And that particular wheel has a, uh, a handle 
that attaches to the rim of the wheel, and and then you can actually manually just uh, crank the sewing machine while you're sewing and don't have to have electricity available at all. And uh, we have customers that just love that feature. Can you give me some feedback that you've got from your customers over the years? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we get feedback all the time. Uh, uh, lately, feedback has always been related to the content that we're offering. So I, I think one of our, our, our best uh, uh, values to uh, the DIY marketplace for this type of canvas work is the free video content that we offer. If you go to our how-to link on our website uh, or even our YouTube channel, uh, I think we have 1,800 videos on our YouTube channel right now, and many of those are projects that uh, might be, you know, a 10-minute video, but we have actually many more that are probably in the half-hour to two-hour uh, range. So they are full uh, uh, projects uh, from start to finish, and uh, uh, that type of content, I think, is just invaluable to anybody who's doing this type of work, especially if you just don't know where to start, uh, because you can watch videos and say, Oh, I, I'm I'm interested in trying that, or no, that looks too complicated. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a very easy way, no expense way to to decide if this is for you or not. Uh, prior to that, um, what we did is offered a lot of uh, written instruction and uh, blogging content, and of course, um, the other thing that we've tried to do is make our website as easy to navigate as possible in order to sort uh, the type of material or the type of equipment that you might need. Um, by application or by material property, and uh, and I think that that uh, also takes a lot of the guesswork out of this. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, how do I determine what the right type of fabric for my Dodger or my Bimini might be? You have that ability to sort by application Dodger or Bimini in order to see what fabric is appropriate for that type of a project. So, so we've done everything we can do and many more things beyond that. Those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head in order to help guide customers to make uh, appropriate decisions. So let's say somebody's making a, um, a, oh, a Bimini with, a, with glass in it, the plastic glass. A friend of mine had a big Tollycraft powerboat, and he paid somebody to put in a, a new uh, spray dodger for him and the glass uh, that he had put in every time it got wet fogged up and it was fogged inside the glass and he said oh they put the wrong glass in have you heard of that problem and when do you sell the glass or the plastic glass for these projects as well yeah we sell there you know that's an area it's almost like thread where it's become very complicated what all your options are uh, I, I've stayed very old school with that. So we, we stick with the uh, clear vinyl um, products, um, um, often and the, the main brands that you'll hear of would be Strataglass, um, OC, Regalite, Plastipane, Isinglass. Um, but that's a clear vinyl product. Quality is pretty much determined by thickness of the material and whether it's pressed and polished or whether it's an extruded type product. And um, uh, so uh, sort of our Cadillac that we offer would be the, uh, the Strataglass or the OC. And those are, are more scratch-resistant versions because of the coatings that they put on them. But they're also pressed and polished, which means that the thickness is very con con smooth and very consistent, which gives you the best optical clarity. A high-quality glass should not fog up like that, especially inside the layers. Um, but um, I have seen that happen before if the, uh, the booking process where they bond the layers of glass together um, in the presses is not um, done properly. Um, but uh, that's one of those areas where I would say you get what you pay for. 
um, the higher quality glasses are just going to uh, perform much better. And the stuff that we don't get into would be the easy, easy to see why or the Macrolon, uh, which is more of the harder um, um, Lexon type, uh, Lexan type, or, or um, thinking in terms of that stiffness uh, material where you have a rigid uh, glass panel. And then you shouldn't have it fogging either, but you run into other issues with fabrication, which is why we stay away from that type of rigid product. I just want to get right back to the sewing machines just for a second longer because I'm looking at your website and you've got the UltraFeed, the Sailrite 111, the Professional, and the Big and Tall. But really for the do-it-yourselfer, you're really only, if, if I'm reading this correctly, the machine they would want would be one of the UltraFeed machines. Is that pretty much correct? Um, I would say uh, the, major- the vast majority would want the UltraFeed machine, but uh, uh, we have some very interesting customers. So let's, let's say we have uh, uh, a customer who's building dog, dog collars or dog beds or, or um, um, you know, even doing canvas work for other people. They may want to jump up to a 111 to get arm space, maybe a little bit faster machine and um, a little bit larger bobbin assembly so that they don't have to change the bobbins as, as frequently. So I would say the 111 is probably our next most popular machine. But uh, let's go back to something that I, I think is probably uh, very familiar and fond to you, which is the prospect of sail making, it sounds like, or sail repair. Right, and I think some uh, of our listeners would, would be exploring that yeah. option as well. So. Yeah, so when, when Jeff, Jeff Frank is our sale designer, and he's been doing it for, I think, 25 years or so now, maybe even longer than that, um, and uh, he will get calls uh, pretty much on a, a weekly basis from somebody who wants to build a full set of sails for a 40- or 50-foot boat. Yeah, and we're not going to recommend an ultra feed for doing that size of a sail, not because the machine's not up to stitching through the thickness, but because the arm size isn't big enough uh, to really handle um, uh, sails when they reach boats in, in that size range. Ah, because you've so got to roll everything up and, and feed it through um, between the, 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 yep. the needle and the, and the body then, I guess, basically. Right. But keep in mind, that's not as hard as it might sound because when you're building a sail from scratch, you don't have to put the edge or the patching trim on until you get the whole body of the thing put together. So it's a lot easier to get things into the arm, but you still, for that size boat, have a lot of material, even when you're talking the material uh, sands the uh, the edge trim and the and the patches, so arm size becomes important. And typically, there you're working in a larger area where you don't really need portability. You're going to probably build a table around your sewing machine. They almost quasi set up a a sail loft, a small sail loft. Well, in those particular cases, you can spend the four thousand dollars it's going to cost you to get a sewing machine, three to four thousand dollars, and you're still going to be money ahead by the time you build your sails. Um, and you're going to have a fantastic machine when you're done. But um, that arm size is really probably the kicker uh, to why you need that. And you get a little more power out of those systems, too, because we, we have special motor systems designed for those larger machines. Uh, we call it the MCSCR, which is a, uh, a really a 120-volt DC motor system running with the silicon-controlled rectifier, but it's really a remarkable system. Uh, so... Uh, we do recognize that we have a few customers that just have to jump up to that level and still can save enough money doing this. And if they have other projects that they want to do, it, it can make sense. I, I do have customers who have built uh, 20 to 30 sales in their lifetime of working with Sailrite, and not just a few. We have lots of customers that have done that, which is, is I think is just remarkable. 
And typically what ends up happening is they do it for their own boat and they end up doing it for their buddy's boat. And, you know, it becomes a group type thing. And at some point they actually become more in the business than not. Uh, but this, this type of work can be addicting. Okay. So if you're actually looking at building a set of sails, probably not the ultra feed machine. Probably it's better to get a different well, type of machine then. Well, no, I don't want to say that. So I don't want to leave you, leave you there. If I had a 35 foot boat or, or smaller, I would be comfortable building any sail uh, with the ultrafeed sewing machine. Okay. So, so the vast majority of the people that are doing sail making uh, through with a sail right sail kit uh, will be able to use an ultrafeed sewing machine and indeed go that route. It's really when we hit that sort of 40 foot and above where they really want to build a lot of sails for their boat uh, that we will start to look at that larger line of sewing machines as the option they should be going with. Uh, but even in the case of, let's say you had a 50-footer and you wanted to build a storm storm jib or a spinnaker, those can be done on, on an ultra-feed sewing machine because the relative size, even though the material is heavier, is smaller in the case of the storm jib. And in the case of the spinnaker, material management, when you're talking nylon sailcloth, is much easier uh, than Dacron that is stiffer and has to be scrolled and rolled. In the case of spinnaker cloth, you can really just set your sewing machine up on a dining room table and sort of let it fall all over the edges of the table, and size really doesn't make that much of a difference. So so I don't want to be very rigid in saying that it can't be done on an ultrafeed. It really depends upon the type of sail that you want to sew. It's just if you're going to sew everything on a boat in the 40-foot-plus range, we would start to talk professional. Okay. When I was on my boat last summer, I had Wi-Fi, and I'm, I'm looking for a new set of sails for my boat. And I said, I wonder what my sail sizes are. And I just did a Google search for Bristol Channel Cutter uh, sail dimensions, and it popped into your website. So mm-hmm. you've obviously got a lot of measurements for a lot of boats. And my boat's not that popular of a boat. But you've obviously yeah. got a lot of uh, measurements already set in your computers ready to go to, uh, to put together the kits yep. for people, correct? Yep. Yeah, when, when I was younger... Uh, and when my father was in his prime in the business, you could go to a boat show and uh, you could board any boat you wanted and they would send you away with literature on the boat and the literature would almost always have the sail plan information. And in some cases, you could get the actual sail plans. And uh, uh, so uh, for years, we've accumulated sail plan data as fast as we could. And, uh, and we've created a repository for that data. And as a matter of fact, the next website that we're going to be rolling out, which will be early next year, um, we are doing even a better job of exposing that data uh, to our customers uh, through general search on our standard website um, because it's good data to have, and there's no reason for us to hoard that data. It should be exposed as best we can for, for customers like yourself who don't have access to that information and you can't get it anymore. Uh, I wish that we could do that today. When you go to a boat show today, you know how it is. You almost have to uh, qualify yourself as being able to buy that boat before you can even get on the boat. And when you get on the boat, literature just isn't what it used to be. It's mostly uh, 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 glamour shots and pictures of uh, how much fun it would be to use the boat, but very little in the way of of specs and and real content when it comes to sail design. So uh, when you get a sail quoted by a professional sailmaker today, unless they've measured the boat before, uh, or manage to get the specs from the uh, the manufacturer, and by and large, a lot of us are having to take measurements uh, of the rig in order to get a starting point. So it's really helpful for us, especially dealing with customers who have good old boats, 
to have that data from the older boats on hand so that we don't have to uh, rely on a customer uh, to take their own measurements in the vast majority of cases. So, uh, yeah, and what you see online actually today is yet is a very small part of what we actually have. Um, uh, unfortunately, there's just not a good way for us to take full-size blueprints and post them online, um, uh, and that's unfortunate. But uh, uh, we do have that content, so people do call us all the time asking us if we have information on their boats, and uh, we're happy to provide that. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm looking at the uh, sale kits right now, and I'm looking for my boat, and I can't find it here. But yet when I did a Google search on it, it popped up into your website. So obviously it's there somewhere. Well, but Yeah. Well, now what we're, we're, we're revamping that right now. So what we do on our website when you go under kits for sale kits is mm -hmm. that uh, if you go to popular sale kits, those would be kits for boats that we do the sales uh, for them somewhat frequently, which means that they are um, – uh, uh, used enough that we will build an actual part number for that sale, and there's really no quoting process. It's just, you know, that would be like a nutshell pram or a Catalina 22, uh, usually smaller boats where you can uh, purchase a kit. We know the sizes. We know it's going to fit, and and uh, we have, you know, a couple of maybe 100 or 150 of those on that page. You almost have to go to custom sale quotes, to get a quote on just about anything else that needs to be designed and constructed into a personalized and custom kit. And uh, the vast majority of the larger boats that we do, that's the process that we follow. So you go through a quoting form where you say, this is the boat I have, these are the sales that I'm interested in, you know, here's my email address, and here's what I'm doing, where I'm sailing, what I'm hoping to achieve. And um, and we actually a person actually touches that. So Jeff uh, uh, would actually uh, design a sale according to what you're looking for, uh, create a material item list for what you're looking for, and then we present you with a quotation uh, and a price um, based upon what you're looking for. It is very much a one-to-one -one, uh, quoting process where we want to make sure we quote exactly what you want. And we don't care whether you I mean, we want you to order it, but it's not about getting the order. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of times it's about somebody is just considering, do I want to do it myself? They want to see how much they're going to save compared to what they, they are being quoted by somebody who's going to build a finished sale. And uh, if you decide to do it, great. If you don't, uh, I think you'd find the experience of getting a quote with us is, is, is a good one. And, uh, um, and maybe the next time uh, you'll decide that you want to try, try your hand at building your own sale. So uh, we're, we're not about immediate uh, gratification. We've, we, we want to develop a relationship with our customers. So do you have actual people in the business that come to you and say, okay, I'm a, I'm a sale maker. Uh, you put together the kit and I'll make the sale for my customer because you've got the tables that actually cut out the material for them. They don't have to go and invest in that equipment already. Yeah, I will say at the club level, that happens frequently, but typically what that is, that more goes back to a guy who might buy a professional and a, a professional sewing machine from us and decide that he wants to do his full set of sales, and then people in the club say, you did that, and can we do one together? And almost becomes almost a club-level event where they all work together and they start building, and, and we've gotten a few at that point where um, they will uh, – uh, call us and say now you know what i'm going to be buying a lot of sale kits for a variety of boats uh, how do we work this out and we usually work out some type of program for them where uh, it reduces the cost to them if they're providing the equipment or to everybody in general if they're just doing it because they're you know they're having fun um the uh, so that's one level the other level would be 
uh, sale makers. And if, if there are a lot of sale makers out there that uh, don't have the larger equipment in the way of the cutting equipment or the space to house the cutting equipment uh, or the budget to handle the software and the upgrades uh, that are necessary for all of that, and what they'll do is they will either send us their fabric and have us design and cut on their fabric, or they will have us just design and cut on our fabric and sell them the fabric and the design services, and then uh, and then build the sale and market it as their own. Um, we definitely do that, and uh, I won't say it's a big big part of what we do, but uh, over the years we've we've I, I, we've probably been doing that for at least fifteen years. So, just. Yeah, for for oh, my audience that might be saying, okay, I might want to try a simple sale. Let's just can you give me some oh ballpark figures on uh, a real popular sale for uh, the basic. Let's say it's a Catalina Twenty Seven or a McGregor or something. Some sale for the very sort of the entry level cruising boat that you sell a lot of. And and do you have any? feedback on how long it actually takes to to make a sale yeah you you know you're asked that's an excellent question and it's one that i'm happy to say that sale right is of a size at this point or, or that's an area that i have stayed out of for 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 years now uh jeff is really the best person to answer that question that might be a person you would be interested in talking to at some point too uh, since he is probably has a, uh, a sale design uh, uh, longevity beyond what uh, most anybody out there does at this point. Uh, the, uh, uh, but I, I can tell you, I'll, I'll give you some general answers to that. Uh, for a typical Dacron sale, I would expect a consumer to save uh, 40 uh, to 60% uh, from uh, a, 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 the cost of a, a finished sale by a, a, a well-known sale maker. Um, and it really depends a lot on the fabric. So as we start to talk about going to laminates, uh, Kevlar uh, material, or, or anything more exotic, uh, then you start to see uh, the savings diminish a little bit because of the fact that the, the material cost goes up so much. But uh, uh, for our common working sales, uh, I'm going to say take 50% uh, of the cost of finished as a, as a good, good starting point. And I can't tell you uh, what a Catalina 27 kit or even what a Catalina 27 finish sale costs today because it's just not something I've been dealing with on a day-to-day basis for the past 10 years. I've been involved more with sewing machines and management. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, no, see, I, there was more to that question. Did I get the core of it or oh, yeah. how much time? Yeah, how much time uh, does it take? I have built a ton of sales over the years. So, uh, and. I would say a uh, uh, Catalina 27 uh, mainsail, uh, which is a more complicated sail because you have battens, whether they're full length or whether they're you know standard uh, battens, and and how you're uh, how many reef points etc. You're putting in the sail. Let's just say sort of a normal construction for a Catalina 27. For us to build one of those here in a more professional capacity with the equipment to do it, it would probably take us probably four. 12 to 14 hours um, uh, to do it properly. Um, if uh, for I typically would tell uh, a, a customer for building that kit uh, that they've got uh, probably a, a three weekend, three to four weekend job uh, for a first time project if they're just taking it slow. A lot of the time is going to be spent working with getting your your space set up and managing material, and not so much time actually sewing when you get right down to it. But uh, 
Uh, th- those would be my estimates from from my experience. Jeff might tell you something slightly different than that, uh, and he would probably be more accurate than I am, but uh, that's a starting point. That's probably pretty good. So the learning curve is, is pretty steep right to begin with, but then after that, your next sale is going to be a lot faster, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, then that, that is true. The learning curve is uh, uh, you can breach that very quickly. So uh, the uh, um, after you've built the first sale, uh, the uh, the second sale, mo- most of the process is identical. Uh, so it doesn't matter whether you're going from a main to a head sale. I mean, there might be a few elements that are different, but uh, uh, by and large, each sale that you do, um, it takes you very little time to actually become a pretty accomplished sale maker if we're only talking about the construction side. Now, if we went back and you said, no, I don't want to just be uh, a sale maker and, and do the construction. I want to be a sale designer and I want to do it from a traditional standpoint where I'm drafting it and laying it out on the floor and draping the panels over the plan. There's a lot more involved in that process. And we can teach you that too. We still have the books in the way of the SailMakers library to, to show you how to do it uh, the traditional way. Uh, but uh, your learning curve is much deeper there. So you sell a lot of products for do-it-yourselfers. What are your most popular projects that people are, are doing right now then? Uh, right now, we're seeing a, a ton of, uh, well, this time of the year, boat covers. So uh, uh, boat covers, full enclosures, dinghy chaps, uh, l- lots of mainsail covers. Um, uh, we are seeing more and more upholstery projects uh, getting done. Uh, but uh, And then the other thing I'll tell you, uh, uh, every other year or so, we do a, uh, uh, a photo contest. And uh, if you go, I'm not exactly sure where you go, but I know they're out there. If you go on our uh, um, our uh, Facebook page, um, there is a section where you can see the entries from the last photo contest test. I think we had 100 and 150 or so uh, entries in that. And that's we do that partially, not just do a contest for people so they can win stuff, but we do it because we want to see what people are making. And uh, I'm always... I'm particularly interested in the mix of things, how much is sale, how much is power, how much is home, and and how is that changing over the years. But uh, uh, we are seeing a lot more uh, powerboat-type projects, uh, especially in the way of full enclosures, and and we're certainly seeing the core canvas items for boats. The other thing we're seeing a lot of is a lot more interiors, Uh, and I think the reason for that is especially these good old boats. uh, You know, the boats last a long time. They're built very well. Um, and, uh, uh, but interiors go out of style, uh, very quickly and, uh, uh, design people want to refresh the interior of the boat, make it a little brighter. And, uh, so we're selling a lot of material, um, for redoing your cushions and, and your berths and, uh, uh, you know, even ac- adding accents like pillows and the rest of that. So, uh, pretty much a, a lot of what you would think of just as all the core canvas work on a boat. I, we see it all and we talk about it every day with people. Well, I must give you a, a big thumbs up on your video content because I've watched a bunch of your videos and it makes me want to go out and buy a sewing machine and, and, start, and start doing this That's stuff. That's good. I like to hear that. That's what we want. I'm one of those guys that I, I always like to buy tools. I don't care if I don't use it, but I still like tools. and It's just another good tool to have. So. It, it, it is. They are there, and they're fun. Uh, I, I always, uh, uh, I always tell people that uh, what, what we are doing is uh, no different than woodworking. It's just you're woodworking with soft lumber, 
And uh, really, that's what it is. I and mean, we think of this as a tool. I, I, I still think, and I haven't looked at the demographic mix lately, but uh, I'm sure if I looked at it, uh, uh, still most of our sewing machine customers are probably male. Um, and uh, and a lot of that is just based around the fact that, uh, you know, in in many cases, uh, they're the ones that do the the uh, uh, the rigging type maintenance and the rest of that, and this actually sort of starts to fall into that category. It's the, you know, you're wrestling around, especially if you're doing sail work with some larger, heavier sails, and uh, uh, and and that's great. But it it doesn't diminish the, diminish the fact that we have tons of, uh, of female customers that are doing this type of work too. It's just uh, I think of this as a tool uh, more so than a sewing machine, and uh, and I think that helps us to sell it uh, to both sexes e- equally well. Yeah. Is there anything else that I haven't talked to you about that you think we ought to cover? Uh, no, I think we've covered quite a bit. I mean, I, there are all kinds of topics that I could talk to you about for a long time, but uh, I don't want to bore you or your audience. Well, tell people how they can get a hold of you. I'll give right, links to right. your website at the post, but let's just, you know, this is a podcast, so some peop- sometimes people yep. never go to the website. So tell yep, people yep. how to get a hold well, of you. Yeah, well, the website is, is a great place to go, and and uh, uh, but the other thing is is that uh, we are a small company still, so uh, uh, I am available. Uh, my email is just matt m a t t at sailrite dot com, uh, and uh, uh, people can pick up the phone here and call eight hundred three four eight two seven six nine, and uh, probably the best thing to do there uh, is just to uh, 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 ask uh, the person that answers the phone their question, and if they can't answer it, they will certainly get them on with somebody that can. But uh, uh, we we are very accessible. All right. Well, we got to spell sale right. It's S A I L R I T E. So sale yep. right, not W R I G H T or R I G H T. It's sale R I T E. Sale right kits. And yep. Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Franz, thank you very much for your time. Sorry about that phone issue we had earlier, but uh, uh, I enjoyed this immensely, and uh, uh, thanks for all your great questions. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. If you want to learn to sail, the first thing you need to do is learn the terminology. I've got an audio series of lessons, lessons for the ASA 101 exam, which is the first American Sailing Association certification. It's the basic keelboat certification. So I put together a series of audio lessons. I think they're over eight hours in length and maybe nine hours, eight to nine hours in length for the ASA exam number 101, which is the basic keelboat certification. Now, in addition to that, I also have audio lessons for the ASA 103 and the ASA 104. Now, if you want to do bareboat chartering, you need to get some sort of an international certification. And the one that's most common in the United States is the American Sailing Association certification, ASA 104. And that's the bareboat certification that you need to be able to charter a boat from most of the charter companies. Now, I cannot teach you to sail in an audio course, but I can prepare you for the written portion of the examination. And I try to make these lessons interesting by peppering the lessons with personal anecdotes of my experiences while sailing over the last 30 years. So uh, if that's of interest to you, please go to the website, medsailor.com. Check out the products that I have for sale. And if they're of interest to you, go ahead and buy them. If you download them through Gumroad, they will come as MP3 files. Now, the last thing I want to encourage you to do is if you like these podcasts, 
tell your friends about them. And if you have a chance, go into the iTunes podcast directory or whatever podcast directory you use and write a positive review. Joe, do you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. You made me very proud. I was just thinking where we might be 10 years from now, you know? <laughs> Thank you.